On this episode, we interview author T.R. Fisher. It's a fantastic story, and I hope you enjoy the interview. I'm really glad that you're here. I'm excited to interview you and kind of hear your story and hear how you got to where you are. And it sounds like you do a lot of exciting things. And so um, I really like to just start out in the beginning, you know, Mm -hmm. where it all all started and to kind of hear your journey. So why don't you give us a little bit of a, a preview of your your life, like give us the journey that has brought you to here. So where does it all start? Well, it starts in Boulder, Colorado. So I was born in Boulder, and I lived there. We lived there for until I was 13, and I am from a huge family by today's standards. I have nine sisters. Wow. So one of ten. Right. Right. Which is, I mean, I think that's huge by any standards. It is. Right? I mean, (laughs) maybe unless you live in, like, Salt Lake City or Utah or someplace. <laughs> Especially if you're calculating estrogen levels. <laughs> you know, it's, I feel like when I read that on your bio, I was thinking, I bet your dad every time was thinking, we'll just try one more time for a boy. <laughs> yeah, and the last one is Roberta because they never got Robert. <laughs> so it's Roberta Lee. Sorry, Roberta, there goes your privacy. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, man. Um... So why, why so many kids? What do, what do you think? Did your parents ever say that, like, why they? I think, okay, I think a little bit of the faith <laughs> yeah. said, hey, like. We were a Catholic family. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, and for me it was normal because that's a lot of my friends were, one of my best friend had 13 kids in her family. Oh, wow. So. Um, so it was just normal. It was normal. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. a lot of fun. Yeah. And a lot of crazy. Yeah. What was that like as far as, um, I mean, both your parents kind of had to work then to feed everybody. and Yeah, um, I think my dad, my dad was a firefighter, and mm-hmm. he worked maybe in part to get away three days a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Although we were always glad when dad was gone, too, because he was the authoritarian. Right. So it's like, and, dad's uh, gone. Like, right. Let's dad's just, gone. Let's we can relax. <laughs> so, um, and then my mom, she worked nights as a nurse. So she was basically comatose for you know, a lot of life because you work nights and then you come home and you get the kids off to school and then you get uh, a couple hours of sleep, right? And then they come home and the sleep's over. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure once you had your own kids, you really started to appreciate like what your parents (laughs) did to... When I was in labor (laughs) (laughs) with my first kid, I was like, wow, 10 times mom. Okay. My hat is now officially off to my mom for... (laughs) A whole different on a whole different level. Yeah. yeah. So where do you rank uh, in well, that? Well, I'm number one, but okay. I'm actually the ninth. I'm okay. just kidding. No, I'm the <laughs> <laughs> I'm the ninth of ten. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I have eight eight sisters in front of me and one tag along. Okay. Yeah. And then how close are you with those guys? We're really. You mean age wise? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, my mom from my oldest down to the youngest, it is eleven and a half years. Just oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. So they were just cranking. It's like, yep. this machine's going. We might as well just keep it going. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. And I can't, you know, testify to any of that because I was so late in the game that I always say, Mom, I should have been breached because then I could have said, and it's the bottom of the ninth and Teresa's here. But it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, so then, yeah, so, I mean, what was that like as far as, I mean, you kind of had <clears throat> built-in friends then at that point. Yeah, it yeah. really was a clan kind of a deal. Yeah. And um, 
you were like at least for me my experience it's different for all of us because of where we are in the lineup mm -hmm. but for me i was a cordell first and myself second and in some ways that was good and in some ways it really sucked um so it just depends on it really depended on the situation i'm really a prankster and so the downside for me was that everybody knew who i was right. already going in every teacher knew oh it's a cordell and even if someone didn't know me by my name, we all looked a lot alike. And so okay. I couldn't go anywhere in town and not have someone go, hey, are you a Cordell? And so it was, yeah, I was like, ah, I can't, I, everything I do is going to be seen and reported back to my dad. So. Yeah. So you kind of had to mind your P's and Q's. <laughs> mm -hmm. You weren't that rebellious of a child. I was actually pretty rebellious. <laughs> I was a careful rebel. Okay. <laughs> so I like, you know, did everything I could that was kind of under the radar. And I had a certain line of, I never did anything that was like, um, criminal, <laughs> but I pushed the line. <laughs> okay. Here's criminal. Here's me. Yeah. <laughs> Most of it though, was motivated not by evil intentions, but just, I have this insatiable, um, uh, curiosity and sense of adventure. And so, it was really all about the adrenaline fix. Yeah. 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 Like what? Like what? Like when I was little, swinging from trees, and we would play <laughs> these huge games. We we lived a block away from this old elementary school in Boulder called Whittier, and so they had huge trees there. And so we would go with like probably 20 neighborhood kids, and every single night of the summer it was game on. And so we would play this. I don't even remember what it's called now, but we played this game of group hide and seek. And so my goal was always the last, I want to be the last to be found. And so like I climbed up this pine tree <laughs> one time and I was, and I made sure I was always on my own. And so nobody could see where I was hiding. And so I climbed up this pine tree <clears throat> and I'm like watching everybody else get caught. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm so in, I'm going to win this one. And then the branch broke. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so I landed with my toe like this and then the branch and me and so my toe was broken and oh, so well, I at least that was all that was I broken. was I was really in so much pain so I like I hopped all the way home and it was not fun but I went back as soon as my toe was better just like that any other yeah. broken bones or no nope. thankfully just nope. the toes yeah yeah so then as a kid I mean did you feel like uh, you ever wanted to just like leave Colorado or leave Boulder and like go go to the big city and like what were your aspirations as a kid like what did you ever dream about doing or I think when I was a kid like when I was still in Boulder I was still young enough that Boulder was big enough for me mm -hmm. it was more like I wanted to go to my friend's house to ride horses and and so I did that whenever I could and um, and swimming all like every day of the summer where it wasn't raining yeah i was in the pool we lived about three blocks away from a public pool there was that and then my dad's uh job he was a firefighter and he was on the um the scuba rescue team and so he would do all this training and mm -hmm. so i would go really early in the morning before the pool was open we would go to the pool and i would watch him like swim and i was just totally into that and so he could do all these amazing feats. He was he was really my first hero in really? a lot of ways. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, every dad wants to hear that, right? Yeah. That they are the hero. Yeah. I put that in the dedication to my first. Oh, book. really? Yeah, that's awesome. So then, high school, you were like one of many kids. 
Well, see, we had moved to Longmont okay. uh, when I was 13. So I kind of got that fresh start because nobody knew who the Cordells were. So right. it was kind of nice in that way. But I was really, really shy. I was painfully shy. Really? And so in junior high... Why do you think you were shy? I don't really know. Um, Because, I mean, you sound like you were outgoing, too. Like, in the family, you were outgoing. You were, you know, that. But then, like, in public, you were shy or whatever. I'm just, I'm just like two people. Yeah. (laughs) Split personality. So, um, yeah, but in in middle school, and I think everybody's kind of awkward in middle school, right? Yeah, you can't escape it. Yeah, so I was... I was just really shy and quiet, and and I was in a new environment too, and I know that made a difference because that was seventh grade, and back then it was junior high, so that was your first year oh, of right. that middle, um, middle schooling, and so I just was, um, I was kind of quiet. It took me a while to make friends when we moved, when we moved, and I was, um, and then there was a lot of, along with a lot of the. The great things about my dad, he was also very um, temperamental and mm. could be abusive. And so there was a lot of family issues. And by the time I was a teenager, I was really bitter and resentful about all of that and just really shut down. And so while I I was very adventurous in my own um, world, mm-hmm. I didn't have like a family support. And so I was kind of a train wreck waiting to happen during those years. And mm. fortunately, nothing really horrible did happen. <laughs> no train went off the tracks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so then high school, were you kind of nerdy then? And like quiet girl? No, I was probably... Was like pre-goth girl. I, w- I was never would have been goth. I was always really pretty positive. Okay. Um, and um, funny. Like if you look back, I was just looking at my yearbook the other day for kicks and basically, it was all just really funny stuff that people wrote in there. Stay yeah. crazy and, you know, right. party on. And I was a huge partier in high school, like really? out of control. And um, sorry, Mom, you didn't know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now she does. <laughs> Guess what? Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, high school was kind of, I, I did well in school, but not stellar because I didn't, I think I didn't really like the confinement of school. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't like a particular teacher, I was kind of meh. You like, know? I don't like oh. you, so I'm not going to do good in this class yeah. or try. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, which wasn't very often. There was only one teacher that was really the bane of my existence, but. What was her name? It was a guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Mr. Bergdorf. Bergdorf. He, he coached, he taught uh, geometry, which I never understood, ever. I got straight A's in algebra. And yeah. geometry was like Russian. I was like, what? And I never, I never got it. I still, to this day, do not understand geometry. And yeah. hopefully I'll never need it to save my and life. And Mr. Bergdorf was there Mr. just... Mr. Bergdorf was horrid. He, like, like, if you didn't do well, he didn't help you to do better. He was a total... Yeah. And, um, Jerk. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, a poor teacher. <laughs> and he would make fun of you. Oh, yeah. The humil- so, humiliation. Yeah. 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 Even my dog Fifi knows that. Right. He uh, said that. Jerk. And so after Public a while, I was just like, I just would sit in the back of the room and just kind of glare at him. And, and then I'd go home and stare at my book and never understand anything. Yeah. So I got, it was the only D's I ever got. I got really? a C first quarter and then I got three D's. So I don't know. Yeah. I had a teacher like that in high school who just wasn't a good teacher. 
And, you know, I always wonder, like, why are you doing this? Like, you don't get paid that well. Like, you obviously don't like me. (laughs) Like, why are you here? I have to be here. Right. Um, And this is horrible. And I feel really bad that I did this. But the my final uh, test, you know, I knew I was going to fail. And, um, you know, essentially when you got done with your test, you would leave the class. And so I just wrote, I don't understand, you know, Mrs. So-and-so is a terrible teacher. Have a great summer. <laughs> and I turned my test in and walked out. <laughs> what yeah. grade did you get? Uh, oh, I got an F. Yeah. yeah. And then she, you know, she, because that wasn't like the end of school. Like I still had like another Oops. week of school left, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, she, she called me in class and sat me down and was like, why did you write this? You know, <laughs> maybe I made an impact in her life and she turned around and became a better teacher after maybe. that. Maybe. We hope we can so, hope so. She actually allowed me to retake the test and I think I got like a D. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I've had teachers like that before. Yeah. Did that hinder you from going to college? Well, or did you go to college? No, it didn't hinder me because I didn't want to go to college. Yeah. I hindered myself from going <laughs> to college. <laughs> so I was just, in my, in my mind, it was, okay, four more years of this? No, mm-hmm. not really. And so I just didn't, but I didn't really know much about college. There really wasn't a focus on that in our family. Right. Um, I think there were just, well, there were only three of us that went to college directly out of high school two of my older sisters and my younger sister. And I think my younger sister probably mainly went because she had the support of our older sisters. Mm-hmm. And, um, but for me, I, I wanted to be a cosmetologist. And so there was Votech. They didn't call it Votech in Longmont, yeah. but wherever. I, like a vocational yeah, school. Yeah, vocational school. Mm-hmm. And um, so I went to Longmont Beauty College. Nice. So that was probably the beginning of of getting lots of writing fodder. <laughs> yeah. So um, when you were younger, I mean, were you really good at writing or yeah, that wasn't even on your radar? It wasn't even like, on my radar. Someday I want to be a writer. No, because in school, whenever you had to write, they told you what to write. Oh, right. And given my propensity for right, don't authority, tell me what to do, yeah. I just didn't I didn't like that formulaic stuff and mm-hmm. still don't actually like formulaic stuff, but I um yeah, I didn't get into writing I I was probably good at it. I mean, I was always really good with grammar and English. Mm-hmm. That came very easily to me. But I always loved storytelling, like yeah. actual verbal storytelling. Yeah. So, and I have a lot of really good stories to tell and funny stories, even just from life. And so, I don't know. It just, yeah. But in high school, no. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about writing. So then you go to cosmetology school. And you're thinking, I want to do hair and makeup for a living. Right. Yeah, my, one of my sisters was a cosmetologist, and I think that was kind of my inspiration. Mm-hmm. And um, so I worked at a salon where I, I had a lot of advanced training in basically hair design. It wasn't just, okay, a chop shop deal. And yeah. So I worked under this guy named Rolf from Germany. And he, he was like, he could be in a movie. He's such a character. He would get mad at me because I had this bad habit of dropping my comb, and you can't use it again. You have to get a clean one right? and stick it in the barbasol and all of that. And so he would just get all over my case, and then I would, of course, drop it more. And, um, On purpose? So, no. Oh. No, I was just <laughs> But nervous. the pressure is like, oh, he's <laughs> watching. Yeah, and I was really good at hair design and, you know, at cutting and all of that. But I had had uh, in my adventurous life, as when I was a senior in high school, I had fallen off a horse 
really, really at a high rate of speed oh, wow. and hit a, um, a bathtub that was used as a water trough. So my back was <laughs> kind of That sounds so random. <laughs> I know. I fell off a horse and hit a bathtub. <laughs> like the horse was going straight. And I'm like, we're heading for the trough. Great. Like, and I could not get this horse under control. And so the horse had plenty of control. He turned on a dime and made a hard left, and I went straight. <laughs> like, oh, I wow. flew off the horse's back, and then I hit my head, and I hit my arm on the trough. And I was looking up at the sky going, I'm not sure if I should move because my neck is very likely broken or, you know, something's really? detached. Like, it was, it was bad. And so I called. Um, I told my friends, like, I should not move, and my dad was a paramedic, so or yeah, you an EMT. Kinda, you know, yeah, you kind of knew these, knew things, these yes. things, yeah. And my mom, like they, they talked a lot about. We just knew a lot about first aid and emergency yeah. medical situations and stuff like, like that. Doug got his head severed today, and we had to take him <laughs> into the shop and fix him up. Exactly. <laughs> I always wanted to reattach a severed nose. <laughs> so. Um, so anyway, I call, I had my friends, I said, go call my mom and tell her that I need to go to the ER. Well, my parents didn't have much money, and, and um, so my dad was at work, so he had the car. So my mom had to ride the moped to get the car from my dad's work, and then come and get me. But she Were you not, crying or anything? Or no, did you just remember crying. just be kind of being in shock and then thinking... I was thinking, just scared of what yeah. I had done to myself. It's like, I don't want to look. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, my toes are moving. Okay, I can feel my knees. Like I was just like freaking out about right. a spinal cord injury. And you were with friends though. Yeah. So it was like, go get help. <clears throat> yeah. So then like, here's Timmy my mom's well. response. Because when I had left, my mom goes, "Don't fall off." And oh, she was geez. she was a real quiet comedian, but she yeah. was she was very she's a pretty quiet, but she's hilarious. Yeah. And um, so it was a joke. And I was like, "Oh, I'll call you if I do." And so. She thought I was joking because oh. I joked all the time. Right. It's like this the boy who the cried wolf. Yeah, <laughs> the girl right. Who cried wolf. Yeah. 50,000 times. Yeah. So, so she didn't believe my friends and she was not going to go down and get the car until <laughs> she, she talked to me. So I was like, they come back out and I'm like, surely my mom's going to be here any minute. Nope. They're like, she doesn't believe us and she wants to talk to you. <laughs> so, You're like, I kind of can't move now. My neck's broken. I, I know. So I'm like, I was so afraid to get up, but I had to go in and talk on the phone if I was going to get to the doctor's office. Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of... <laughs> <laughs> so then you picked yourself up and, and went... And then, so, I mean, what happened? I mean, were you... My you neck concussion? was fine. No, I didn't... Well, back then... They right, didn't they didn't really... They're like, concussion. You're, you're walking, you're good. Yeah. And um, so I'm sure they did the little pen light in my eyes and told me not to right. sleep through the night or something. But... um. Yeah, I had a major headache, and I had this huge egg right here. Like, yeah. but my bone wasn't broken. Oh, wow, but okay. I just had this ginormous yeah bruise, whatever it was right there. Yeah. And um, so it was just suck it up and move on and yeah. Had to and go you know, you, I mean, you're school. ninth, right? So at that point, it's like I mean, already on my third, and I'm like, meh. <laughs> right? Yeah, pick it up off the ground and eat it. It's not a big deal. <laughs> So number nine, it's like, yeah. Right. If we lose one, not a big deal. <laughs> we got nine more. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So then you went to cosmetology school and just started living your life, you yeah, know, building a career. Yeah, cosmetology was concurrent with high school. So okay. like my senior year, I was gone and um, from school for the m half the day, and then I would go back. And basically, I took PE classes in the afternoon. 
because <laughs> they were fun and that's all I needed. And so yeah. like I was playing vo- volleyball and, you know, all of that since I wasn't headed to college. I was kind of just doing whatever I had to do to graduate. And um, so, yeah, cosmetology school was full time the summer before senior year and then the summer after. And then I was free and I moved out. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. Got a job. Doing hair. Yeah. I was working for Rolf, <laughs> the oh. Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Okay. So I was an apprentice. Okay. Yeah, to apprentice. So it was six months of an apprenticeship, which basically meant I had to do whatever he told me to do. Right. And uh, he was he's he kind of envisioned that he was a sort of a rock star. Um, he was stylist. a Tony and guy before Tony yeah. and guy. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he had these women that thought he was that as well. So they would like wait. He had more than one salon. So we'd be in Longmont, <coughs> or no, we'd be in Boulder. And then there was another salon in Longmont. He'd have appointments at both places. And his clients would wait for four hours. Really? And they would get really mad at the rest of us. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> but once, once my paycheck started bouncing, then I decided to move on. Oh, really? Yeah. That stinks. Yeah. So then what did you do after that? Well, then I got a job at a bank. Classic. Well, yeah. That was, it was like it took me a long time to find a job. And I got a job as a bank teller, and, um, and then I got fired. <laughs> you got fired? I did. I got fired. Your drawer was constantly off. No, I was good at it, except for um, a a geometry piece. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I sold traveler's checks, a lot of traveler's checks, thousands and thousands of dollars, and I didn't get the money for them. (laughs) So, like, these people went out, and it was a little tiny bank, so we knew all of our customers, and they came back and paid, but... But my manager it was like the was straw like, that broke the camel's back. Um, yeah, you're not really cut yeah. out for this. So <laughs> these guys from Mexico <laughs> came in, and I just gave them a bunch of travelers checks. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So then you get fired from your 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 bank job. Now, are you married at this point, or do you have kids, or are you thinking about getting married? Or no, I was um, in a relationship with my now husband, and so okay. he had gone to California to get his residency to get his master's out there in music and so i since i the economy just was horrible in boulder at that time and i couldn't find another job and i knew i didn't want to work at a bank and so um i went out to escondido which was where he was and then worked out there for until he has had his residency and then we were married that next may and then we moved to northern california for school for him to go to school Okay. So we were in the Bay Area for several years while he was in school, and then we, we started a, well, no, we, we didn't start our business up there, but yeah, he was, and then he did sales for a little while after that. Of course, you get your master's, and, and then it's like, let's yeah. do sales. Yeah. Well, you know, we're both entrepreneurs, and so it was really only a matter of time before we started our own gig. Yeah. But it was just, I don't think we really knew what that, what that was going to be until after working for someone else and realizing... Yeah, we don't want to do this. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so then what was your first entrepreneurial endeavor then? Well, um, when I, after I had our oldest, our first, um, I, we moved to San Diego and started a media company okay. where we were doing, it was, I'm dating myself here because it was multimedia. So okay. it was like before you could do <coughs> slides and things like that on a com- on computer, yeah. you had this, Marin Carroll camera that was like the size of that huge cabinet over there. Yeah. And um, so anyway, we did, he, we created uh, slides for, mostly our clients were defense companies. Okay. And then after the Cold War ended, <laughs> yeah. well, their budgets just 
it went away. Got all really tiny. And plus, there was also, they were starting to be able to do it in Right, technology was yeah. advancing and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So then we had to reinvent ourselves again. And I, I didn't really work a lot. I helped with, like, the books and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, admi- admin tasks and things like that. And, uh, and then we had our other, you know, we had, our kids were pretty close together, 15 months apart, oh, the wow. first two. And, um, but when, when we were there, right after we had started this business in San Diego, um, our daughter, we found out that she had cancer. Mm. And so um, she was 15 months old. And I was like, due right that week with Heather, our second. Oh, wow. And um, so it was a crazy time. Yeah, so, I mean, how do they even, like, how do you even find <coughs> out that a 15-month-old has cancer? Well, um, yeah, she she had an eye tumor. And so, you know, when you have a small child, you're always yeah really close. And your first one. So you're right. like always right. paranoid. And it was just when I would when I would be spoon feeding her, I would I felt like one of her eyes wasn't tracking properly. And um, and that was strange. And then we got some photos back way back when you did real print photos. And that I didn't have that red reflex that mm. red, you know, when, with the flash. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> it was sort of like when you see an animal in your headlights and it's white. And I was like, whoa, that's weird. So I called a, a pediatric ophthalmologist. Mm. We were in between Escondido and San Diego, and I called Escondido. And they did not know about this cancer at that office. So, which, because a lot of times I learned later that that was a lot of times how parents discovered it oh, wow. was from a camera flash making the photo look weird. And so it was just very serendipitous. But um, I asked the doctor about it at her 12-month appointment, and he was like, oh, she's fine. Nothing wrong. Mm. And so anyway, three months later, when she has <clears throat> what I think is bronchitis, and I, I take her to the doctor for that, another doc is on that day, and he walks. he's not even all the way in the office, and he says, your daughter's only looking at me with one eye. And I know you're not here for that, but like that's weird. So we and I was like, "What?" I was really upset because the doctor who I had brought it up to told me that I was an overworried mom, which really made me mad. Yeah. And um, so anyway, come to find out, oh great, she's had something wrong with her eye. And we, at that time, in that moment, we thought it was a cataract, which wasn't really very frightening to me because right. I knew that cataracts were easily dealt with, and it was unusual. But um, then they recommended that we go to a pediatric ophthalmologist. So we went down to a pediatric ophthalmologist, um, and he said, "She's not. She has no vision in this eye. She's not seeing at all." Wow. And I was just like, "What?" And then she, he said, "It looks like it's probably retinoblastoma." And he had fellowed with a guy at Children's in LA and sent us up there because they could do all of the potential treatments in under one roof. So wow. within three days, we went from no You're an overworried deal, mom. Right, to, <laughs> wow, our daughter's eye is gone. And it's, they took it out, and we came home day before Thanksgiving, and we're just, like, in shock. Because wow, they had to remove her eye. Yeah. yeah. So then did, and then you're about to have another baby. Mm-hmm. It must have been a very traumatizing, <clears throat> like, stressful period. It was. Yeah. And yeah. then our insurance company went bankrupt. It was just a really great time. Add <laughs> insult to injury. <laughs> right. I can't even get my medical bills paid. Right. Yeah. So yeah. then, I mean, what did you have to do at that point? Well, we just had to pay everybody. So it was just a long process. Wow. And that was what precipitated our move back to Colorado. 
in part because the defense industry affecting our business and then the um, all of these medical bills that just were not going to be paid. So yeah. we moved back where the cost of living was a lot lower and we had family support and yeah. got some help from family. How did you feel? So your daughter had to have her eye removed then? Did mm-hmm. she get like a glass eye or something like that? Or yeah, they're, a patch? they're not glass anymore. Okay. But they... Um, they and now I'm sure it's changed because it's she's 30 now. Yeah. Um, but uh, what they did was they would fill the socket with a silicone ball and they tie the ocular muscles together and then they create oh, so that it can a, move a and false look. eye that is shaped kind of like this, actually. And so, yeah, they painted and it looked it looked really good compared to the older, right. you know, version. Yeah. So, but... I mean, thankfully, they could easily just remove her eye, and she didn't have to go through like chemo or like it wasn't as life threatening then as like le- like leukemia or like you know. Hot. In her case, now there were plenty of retinoblastoma patients that do have to have all those treatments. Yeah, it really defend- depends on how far the disease has progressed. So it was a really tense, probably about ten days before we got the pathology report back, determining that it hadn't passed. You know, because they said, well, it can go along the ocular nerve and go into the brain. And mm-hmm. so it was like, yeah, then so you that was while we're, um, had, I delivered Heather and, you know, all of that was during that same 10 days and it was just crazy, Yeah, but it had not spread. And so it was fully contained in the eye. So fortunately in that regard, I mean, she's had to go through her life with just one eye, which is definitely challenging or you have for death, her depth perception, depth perception and just like knocking into things when you're, you know, and as a toddler, um, that was scary because, you know, you're always like, okay, well, there's only one eye there now, so we need to make sure nothing happens to it. And so she wore some little glasses that were just for protection. Oh, wow. Okay. Just so she wouldn't poke her other eye. Right. And stuff like that. You're like that. extra paranoid now. Right. Well, yeah. and I, I'm, I'm really laid back, and I guess I just, <clears throat> I didn't want my daughter to grow up feeling like she was less than or not whole or, um, or un- incapable of doing what she wanted to do. And I realized you can't do everything that you want to do if you have a physical limitation. But I didn't want to put that victimhood mindset on her. Mm-hmm. Neil and I both, we just didn't do that with her. Yeah. And um, so we kept her safe within what we felt like, okay, this is what we have to do. But we really wanted her to be adventurous and to, you know, We've tried to foster still that confidence yeah. in her physical abilities, and mm-hmm. she actually she did a, she did a lot of things that probably other parents wouldn't have let her do because of that fear mm-hmm. that you can get really stuck in that. Yeah, yeah. So you guys move back to Colorado, and what do you decide to do at that point? Well, uh, then. My husband did some business consulting, and I had three little kids at the time, so I was only working like part time doing, yeah, you know, my usual admin stuff. And the full time mom gig—that's right. hard, right? And um, so we started. He started a real estate brokerage, okay, and he still does that. Nice. Yeah. So I helped out with that, and you know, learned learned a lot. Nice. So when did you get your first like inkling <clears throat> to write a book? You know, and what made you feel that you could even do that? Well, um, well, actually, when I first, 
I didn't actually have the idea to write a book. I had this, I, I have kind of crazy, I have a really imaginative mind. I always have. And um, Is one of these your first book? Yeah, Pray For Me okay. is my first book. And um, so I woke up one morning and had just had this really vivid dream. And this was about probably 12 years ago. And, um, and I was just like, wow, I just felt compelled to write it down. And I had never, I dream all the time, and I had never yeah. um, felt, felt that, you know, compulsion to do that. So I was like, well, I just wrote it in my journal, and I didn't really tell anybody about it. And, and at the time, my husband was starting to commute uh, out of state for work. And so I was like, we are really tight. We are best friends. And so I was trying to think, okay, all my kids were in school now. What am I going to do? Like, how am I going to cope with him being gone so much? Mm-hmm. I wanted to do something positive and something engaging and challenge myself. And um, so I was talking with um, one of my daughters about that dream. And she goes, oh, Mom, you should... Um, you should write it out. She was really into J.K. Rowling at the time. Yeah. And so she's like, well, I, she had read some article. Have you heard of Harry Potter? What her, what her, um, her process was. And she goes, you should outline it because that's what she did first. So I said, really? Like, and it was just so funny. So this, <clears throat> this story just kind of became like a person in my head. <laughs> and no, I didn't need therapy. It was, <laughs> well, maybe I did, but not for that. Maybe, but yeah. <laughs> And so I, I just start, so I'm like, all right, so I need to, I I wrote it down and I felt like I really had a story there. And then I realized I don't know what I'm doing. And so I better learn how to do it. And so I took, um, there was a class. How long ago was this? This was about 10 or 12 years ago. Okay. So Googling wasn't a thing really yet. No. You couldn't just be like how to write a book. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, Google wasn't born yet. Yeah. And, um, so I, um, I basically just took classes and I devoured every book at the public library on fiction mm-hmm. and well, the ones that were good. And then the ones that I thought were stupid, I just <laughs> turned them back in. Right. I didn't expect. And the ones I really liked, I, I bought a copy on Amazon and just devoured it and yeah. took notes and typed out my notes. Like that's just kind of how I learn and yeah. remember things. And so I, and then joined, you know, writing groups and, just kind of a collab- little bit of a collaborative process on certain aspects of it, not so much on the story as the process. Mm-hmm. It's a huge undertaking. Yeah. Because what I was writing also required a lot of research. Right. I'm kind of a research geek. But that's good, right? Because yeah. if writing requires me. research, then right. you can just sit there and research. <laughs> <laughs> and you right? like it. <laughs> what's, this, what's this book about? The Pray for Me, P-R-E-Y. So it is about a young college student, and she has a stalker. Mm-hmm. And um, she doesn't discover how extreme. It just kind of slowly slowly gets turned up. But like when, you, when you enter the story, <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. I woke up in a cold sweat and <laughs> started <shaking>. writing. <laughs> right. No, funny. the The funny thing is, the book really changed from my original iteration mm-hmm. to the final, the yeah. final iteration. As it evolved, it yeah. kind of yeah, book evolution. Well, I'm sure it's kind of nice too because you can kind of go back and say, "Oh, let me change this." Or you, it, once you kind of have it all there, you can start to really, with the end in mind, or if you have an end, you can change things in the beginning, right? It kind of can be more fluid like that. Right. 
Yeah, that's one thing about one fun thing about fiction that doesn't get to happen in real life. Yeah. <laughs> hey, edit. I'm just going to edit right. what I just said. How about yeah. that? Yeah. The hindsight <laughs> 2020. I didn't say that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the first scene is he's she wakes up at two in the morning and this guy's in her apartment. So it starts off just at a run. Yeah. And intense. it kind of stays that way throughout the book. Yeah. And um, she. I'm, I always have to be careful here because I'm really detail oriented. Yeah. And I can't give anything. Yeah, we don't want to like, you know. So, um, so she, she leaves where, you know, she's at Boise State. Okay. So she leaves and then kind of reinvents herself. And do you think he finds her? Well, I can only imagine <laughs> the suspense thriller. So, yeah, he finds her. So it's just kind of like that journey. And right. It's it a sounds, chase. Sounds yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, are they going to make a movie out of it or, or what? Well, I haven't someone had comes any knocking? contracts emailed to me yet, but <laughs> there's always hope. Yeah, right? <laughs> if there's any, uh, you know, producers watching or anybody? <laughs> um, so then as far as, you know, getting a book published or like, whoa, what? When you started writing your book, did you have like that in mind of, man, I want this to be a like bestseller or, you know, or was it just like a personal project? Like I want to write this book just so I can say I did it or what did that look like for you? Well, did you have an end in mind or was it just more of a hobby? No, I definitely, you know, want every, every author really wants to have a bestseller and, um, getting there is, is a, a path that is different for everyone. Mm-hmm. And really, since I decided to go indie as opposed to pursue the big houses, um, because the industry has changed as much as technology has changed, yeah. the industry, the publishing industry has changed. And so literally every six months, you've got to find out, well, what's going on now? And both on the indie side, not so much on the indie side, but definitely on the, the major houses. I mean, now there's like three. There's three houses when right. there used to just be loads and loads of them. And they've all eaten each other up. Right. And, um so I, you know, I did at one point have an, have a contract. Um, I was offered a, a contract for um, a man around the house. And it was just, I was like, well, let's see. I've been a business person for a really long time, and I understand <laughs> profit and loss. Yeah. This <laughs> is not a beneficial um, deal. It was, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, um, have a nice day. Well, and now with technology, right? I mean, you can sell your own book on Amazon right. and other places like that. And right. once you build a <laughs> following on social media or like a fan base, when you release a book, you know, you have a higher chance of, you know, books being sold. Uh, we had an author on uh, several months ago and it was, it was interesting because in my mind I'm thinking, oh yeah, like, you know, selling millions and millions of copies is like easy to do. But he was like, you could have a bestseller just with like, you know, several thousand copies being sold, right. you know, right. because it's just, I guess nowadays too, it's like with the internet and so many things, it's like, you don't really have that. I don't know, like the publishing houses and stuff, I maybe don't have that big of an audience or I mean, what does that look like? Well, they're all different, and it very much depends on who you are. Mm-hmm. If you're a Hillary Clinton, you get that $6 million um, yeah. you know, deal. Signing bonus or whatever, yeah. You don't have to sell any books. I mean, you right. know. Um, so it really just depends on who you are very much. But it also depends on luck. Um, and, you know, when we were in California, we lived in the Hollywood area and had a lot of friends in the business, as they call mm-hmm. it out there. And... Um, you know, it's very much like that where I had a friend that was working as a waitress and got a, an acting gig from that. 
I had another one that was working as it that was a gymnast in college, and she got a gig. You know, she, yeah. she started working in Steven Spielberg's like office. You know, yeah. And so it's just so random, and that's very much how it always is, and I think that's how life is to a very large degree. Yeah. So. Um, I'm not really caught up on fame or anything like that. I definitely want to make money at it. Yeah. Um, but I also have certain goals of publishing a certain number of books because you really, especially as an indie author, you need to have a lot of books out before you can really get any sales momentum. And yeah. so I haven't, to be honest, focused that much on marketing my books because there's not that much to sell. I mean, people read a book in a couple of days and then they want the next one. Right. And so my goal is to have seven um, by about a year and a half from now. Really? And then, and then I'll and you ha- How many books do you have right now? I'm almost done with my fourth. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so yeah, now... It's, it's an ambitious goal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you start thinking about writing a book now, so the first one came from a dream. Like, that's kind of where it was birthed. And that was just like the seed of it. Yeah, know? the seed of it. Yeah. And then it kind of... You started doing research. You started, like, thinking, like, maybe I could be a writer. I mean, yeah. and then once you finish that book, I mean, then, then what? Well, that was actually, finishing the first one is just huge. It was like, I don't know what to compare it to. Maybe running a marathon that mm-hmm. you've trained for for a long time. Because I didn't really know if I could do it or not until I really did it. And that's kind of how I am. I'm someone that's like, hmm. I'm going to try that. <laughs> right. And then if I do it, I'm like, oh, that worked out pretty good. So let me do that again. So the the first book, there was a lot of, I mean, I did, I did a lot of um, classes and there was so much learning. Mm-hmm. And then I was part of a critique group. Um, so I got a lot of feedback on it, which was a, that has, there's two edges to that sword. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of really helpful feedback and you get a lot right. of. Like, really? You just said that? <laughs> right. And, um, it's just, like, I'm a human being with feelings. Or just stupid <laughs> stuff. Like, I had, I had one person say, I hate that word. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Well, Thanks for the I critique. I hope you get over it. I hope you're going to be okay. And yeah. I left it in there. And Because um, <laughs> there was nothing wrong with it. It was just like, the word moist. I hate that word. And so just stupid stuff like that. Right. But by the same token, that same person gave me so much helpful input mm. in my process and in my, um, in, in the storyline. You right. know, like this works and that doesn't work and this is a little too slow here. Just mm-hmm. your pacing, all, characterization, yeah. all kinds of things. Huh. Well, I'm sure, too, the, the difficult thing is there is definitely a science to it, right? There's a formula and all these things. To but a degree. Yeah, yeah, but then there's also an art to it, right? Exactly. Which is preference and opinion and all these things right, right? so yeah. i'm sure uh, when you make yourself vulnerable to somebody and show them your work and then they start picking it apart or they don't like certain things it's kind of like well who are you well we you talked know? about it we're like okay we've developed our critique armor we call it armor that hmm. this isn't personal and so i just i can i can do that in my own head i can say this isn't personal and move on and um it took, but it took me a while to develop that because I'm actually a really sensitive person. <laughs> and I went to this big, big mistake, never did it again, uh, open critique, mm. which is with people that you've never met. It's like, <laughs> get in your underwear and, got, and stand in front of everybody. <laughs> right. And, let them and I got sliced and diced by this <laughs> yeah. really major jerk guy. And, and I was like, and I actually cried. And I was so embarrassed that I cried. And I was like, uh, You cried in front of everybody? I did. I I'm totally sorry. did. I'm an easy crier. 
It's me terrible. Too. Me too. My kids are always like, Mom, really? I'm like, it's like, you know, when the Olympic me. season comes on, they show these like, you know, Procter and Gamble <laughs> commercials. It's like moms. It's like, oh. <laughs> I know. Hallmark. <laughs> yeah. Hallmark card commercials. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Give me the tissue. Yeah. So, but I, but I definitely did yeah. get tougher. Um, so then so. you finish the book, you get all these critiques. I mean, and then do you have to like pay someone to like edit it or how does that work as far as Well, if that you want it to be goes? edited properly. Yeah, yeah, I did I did pay I hire an editor and then I hired a cover designer and and um so but yeah, my my second book took me including the plotting like from day 1 of the idea. Mm-hmm. 4 months. 4 months. Wow. Right. And then my third book took me 6 weeks. No way. Yeah. Wow. So once you wrote that first book, then it was kind of like, one, you like this, and two, I want to do this again. Right. And it's getting the process because there are so many. I'm, I really like, I'm a big per- big picture person, and I like to know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. I'm not, that, there's a thing in writing where they say, are you a plotter or a pantser? Like, do you write by the seat of your pants or do you like to plot? And I am a plotter. Mm. I think pantsers waste a lot of time because then you've got to go back and fix all this stuff because it doesn't match up or whatever. And I just, in my genre, I don't know how one could do that, but, but maybe I just don't have the mm-hmm. right kind of brain for it. Um, I need a software update. But, um, but I, once I got the process down and, and I liked my own story, like, Hey, I'm a fan of me. Like this works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm my biggest fan. <laughs> and um, and so that doesn't help me make money, but at least it boosts your confidence. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, it was just like, yeah, I can actually do this because you have you you can cho- you can choose who you listen to, but even when you're not really tuning into person number A, that either one in my case I didn't respect, um, or two. Uh, they just weren't connecting like they read sci-fi and this wasn't sci- you know mm-hmm. so um there weren't really the right person to yep. give me input um beyond that it was like hey yeah i can totally do this and so it was a really good feeling for yeah sure. and then tell tell me a little bit about the process of of you know self-publishing and being an independent artist you know what does that like look like and you know how, how do you like you finished your book, and then and then what did you do at that point? You had a stack of paper, and you're like, okay. <laughs> well, it wasn't paper anymore because I, I you weren't typing <laughs> on a typewriter like furiously. <laughs> no. The you know end, <laughs> right? And then stacked like it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I um, when I first started writing, though, actually, I couldn't write on a computer. Like, I couldn't create. When mm. I was when I was doing on, on a keyboard, and I certainly had a computer, and um, and Google was probably a baby, I don't know, but but it was just that. So I evolved mm. to where, you know, it's a real pain in the neck to physically write something, especially a hundred, you know, hundred ten thousand words, and so and then you go back and edit. Like I was like, I've got to figure this out. So really, it was just kind of a process of, all right, learning how to get it become creative within those within the technology mm-hmm. framework and from there um you know looking at the manuscript there's a there's a program that i use that is specific for writing that i, mm-hmm. I love it's called scrivener and scrivener uh-huh okay yeah and it's it's much more robust if you have a mac because it was developed for mac mm-hmm. 
Okay. Um, but it's wonderful for self-publishing and for um, all kinds of other writing projects as well. Even uh, yeah, if I you're think not I've heard it for like film writing too and yes. stuff like that. Yeah. Yes, they have a lot of templates there for different different things and. Um, so that's part of it, but I also took a lot of classes on the publishing side and was a part of different professional groups and online groups. And so just kind of learning the ropes that way. And once again, it is something that is evolving. And yeah. um, so I redid my website last, I got it done in January. And um, so the website that I have now is specifically for authors. Okay. And um, it's like a, it's a WordPress theme that is specifically for, for authors. authors. It's called Author Cats, and I oh, love nice. it. Yeah. And um, I am an affiliate, so if anybody you know wants to look on my website, I can you know connect with you and tell you a little bit about that. Yeah. But yeah, the indie process I think is for me it's very freeing and it's good. And you just but from there you just you have to decide where you want your book and what is your goal, because like you said, it might just be to write the book, um, mm -hmm. or it might be something for your family. Um, so really, you have to figure out if you want to go indie, if that can meet, help you achieve your goals, or, or if it's better to pursue that publishing deal. Um, I did pursue publishing deals initially, and then after I kind of got schooled and a, a different interactions and things like that, I decided that really wasn't the best fit for me. Mm -hmm. But I'm not down on it. I just, it just was not... The right deal hasn't a, come your way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you sold your first book... Like online for, to a stranger, did that, did you feel awesome? Yeah, yeah, that's a great feeling to know that somebody, and especially seeing the reviews, mm -hmm. seeing somebody that likes likes my. Is it sold stories. on Amazon? Uh -huh. okay. Yeah, they're all on Amazon all on and Amazon. Kindle and a whole bunch okay. of other places. And um, so yeah, someone like five stars. I really loved how, and right. you're like, yes, <laughs> right, yeah. And there's, you know, I don't take it personally if someone doesn't like my work right. because it's li really like when I go to an art gallery. There's probably only a few pieces I really like. That doesn't mean I don't like the artist. Right. It just means that, you know, everybody has a different taste. Yeah, you can connect and, with it. You know, so my style is, you know, I like a good rocking story and a lot of humor where it fits. And, you know, I'm not into the whole raunchy sex scene stuff. Yeah, That's just the, not uh, my... Yeah, Fifty Shades is super popular. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're, we've got a few less shades there in my book. A <laughs> <laughs> lot of less shades. <laughs> We just kind of take off the shades. <laughs> so it's just not my thing. And um, so, and then, you know, the, the romance, I like the relationships, but it's not really sappy. And so. Yeah. Um, so then you, now is it, do you have routines that you have set up? I mean, do you find with your goal, right, you've set this goal of wanting seven books, you know, in the next, by the, by this year and a half, right? Mm -hmm. From now, you'll have the rest of your books written. So you're finishing book number four. Mm -hmm. So do you find that you have to put yourself uh, on a, a regiment? You know, do you say, okay, I'm going to write in the morning, or do you just write when you're inspired? How does that work for you? Well, I don't just write when I'm inspired because that's just not how it works for me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I have a pretty... Um, I, I'm not crazy disciplined about it in the mm -hmm. sense that I have a daily word goal or an hourly word goal. Some writers like really go crazy yeah. with statistics. And for me, that's actually yeah, like if I write a hundred words a day for this many days, then yeah, I have a you know, and, but when I'm in it for me, it's really more about, okay, do I, if I have my story prepared and I'm in it, like my head is in it, then I can just roll and I can get 
5,000 words in a day, and it doesn't feel like I worked very hard to do that. Mm. There are other times when it's not like that, where you're like slogging. Oh, I got 300 more words done. Mm-hmm. Great. So it just all, you know, it just all depends. But if you, if you don't write, you won't finish. Right. And so I've had, um, I have been on somewhat of an unplanned uh, hiatus because of an injury from, that happened last year. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so I was like not able to, I, I was in too much pain to, Think to do anything writing, like yeah. that, uh, especially that creative work. So I actually took classes um, online during that time like internet marketing and some other stuff, mm-hmm. web development, just basic stuff. Yeah, um, kind of te- educate yourself, teach right, yourself new skills. Right, and, um, and then my husband and I, we raise bison, and so we... Um, to just, eat or to look at? <laughs> well, you look at them and then you eat them. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> bison burgers. Yeah. I we, hear bison's pretty tasty. It is. I've just yeah. never had a bison that I liked. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's been cooked wrong. <laughs> you just never know. Yeah. It depends on where you've eaten it. Where do, where do you raise bison? Well, uh, currently they're up at a ranch in the mountains. We have a, f- a ranch in the family that my sister and brother-in-law own. So oh, we've okay. had them up there since we've owned them. Okay. Uh, almost since we've owned them. And um, How many bison? You know, I'm really bad with the numbers. More That's than five? Yeah. <laughs> in the 20s somewhere. Okay. So I heard that bison were going extinct for a little bit. And then all of a sudden there's like a, been a resurgence of, of bison. Well, I mean, the time when they almost went extinct was in the early 1900s. Right. And the reason why they didn't was because of private owners. Oh. So, yeah, it's a really interesting history. My husband would tell it a whole lot better than me because he's a total history geek. Right. But basically, the private owners, and then between that and Yellowstone National Park, that's what revived the bison herd, Mm -hmm. uh, the bison numbers in our country. And um, so it was because it was down to, I believe, well, gosh, see, this is where I'm going to slaughter it. No pun intended. <laughs> um, probably less than a thousand oh, wow. in the whole U.S. That's crazy. Yeah. So. And I'm sure that now a thousand get eaten every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you. Uh, wow. So now you're raising bison as a part time deal on the side. It, would you, do you like go up and feed them or like? Well, most of the time they don't need to be fed because we have enough pasture for them and there's a creek that runs through there. This year they've, because of how dry it's been, we have needed to feed. Mm -hmm. And it was getting a little scary with the the drought. Their their water almost totally dried up. Really? For the first time ever in 22 years. So we've had the bison. Why did you get into bison? Well, <laughs> this is off topic, but this is very interesting. It's a rabbit. It's a rabbit. <laughs> it trail, is a rabbit trail. Right? Yeah. So our kids, our girls, we were living in Jefferson County, okay. and our girls were in something called Western Airs. Um, you may or may not have heard of it. It's, it's a like drill team on horses. Club? Oh, okay. And um, you you can only be in it if you live in Jeffco. So they're like, we want horses, and we're like, well, we just have a backyard here, so. Right. You guys do this for a year, and then if you're still serious about it, then we'll talk. So they did it for a year. And um, so we started looking for a horse property. And one of the properties that we went to was uh, along I-25 Frontage Road up near Mead. And we looked out. We really liked the house. We liked the property. And the guy had bison. And we're like, well, that's interesting. And he was there. The owner was there. And he was a really mm-hmm. nice guy. So we put an offer in on the property. And Neil was like, so those are pretty cool. He's a CU Buffs alum. Mm-hmm. Aren't you as well? Me? No, no I'm not. You're not. Okay. Yeah, but I have family and, um, who is. So anyway... 
He's a CU Buffs alum, so he just was like, well, that'd be kind of cool. So we're like these suburbanites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we got bison, and we didn't end up buying that property, but we became good friends with the owner, and he was actually a major breeder, one of the biggest breeders here really? in the state. And um, so he connected us with basically a mentor who our, our mentor is Chad and he works, he runs the bison herd now. Oh, he manages the herd at Custer state park okay. in South Dakota. So he basically was like, so this is how you build a fence. And this is when a bison, you know, he told, yeah. he taught us the ABCs and um, we ended up, you know, we were terrified of them when we first got them. Yeah. And now Neil's kind of a maniac. I'm like, okay, this isn't a good day to die. So <laughs> yeah. dial it back a notch. And um, so, because they're wild animals. Right. Yeah. You need to respect that. Right. Yeah. They can, they can seem totally docile. And then just and then stab you with a horn. They're not. You're done. And yeah. then you're, yeah, you're yeah. ready to be skewered. <laughs> or you've been skewered. You've been skewered. And yeah. then the bison has yeah. to get sold to Ted's. Right. Yeah, but since we did have kids, you know, all the kids, we decided we're not going to keep any of the crazies. Mm-hmm. Not the kids, but the buffalo. Right. And, um, <laughs> Kept the kids. <laughs> so so we, um, we, we would process the ones that were just like, right. yeah, you want to kill me. So guess what? <laughs> yeah. It's not going to go down like that. Right. Yeah. And then has that been a pretty, like, lucrative business? Like, it seems like there's been a resurgence of buffalo, like... As far as, I mean, I know at least the, the meat part of it, but then do you use the skins and like other we don't. aspects of it? Okay. We don't. Yeah. We have people ask us for skins all the time and we're like, well, like we're not tanners. So right. And we, we, because we sell, we sell meat direct to customers. Okay. And so we, um. You brought me books, but no like bison. <laughs> hey, you know, maybe you're a <laughs> Next time, chain. mail me some. <laughs> So um, anyway, all of this was, I was coming around to say that, that part of my hiatus last year from writing was also that we decided to bring, we have a, a farm down in Elbert County and we are bringing our bison down there. Oh, okay. And so we're going to start doing events for our meat customers, um, you know, so yeah, anyway. It's gonna that's be awesome. Fun. Yeah. So, all right. Bison, amazing. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> Uh, where do you find inspiration for the next book? I mean, you know, you talked a little bit about your process of, you know, you know that you have to write. You don't always write when you're inspired. But, you know, is it something where you're just at the grocery store and an idea pops in your head and you're like, ooh, that would be actually be a good story? <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. It's, it's really random, and sometimes it's a little crazy. Um, I get ideas for characters i'm i'm very observant like i watch people i always there's some of us writers have a t-shirt that says be careful how you treat me or you might end up in my next story (laughs) (laughs) that's good so um and and my characters are not oh this person is that person in real life that's not what i do Mm -hmm. um but i do get ideas from people and just from interactions and we've lived a lot of places and we've known a lot of people that are very different from ourselves um, from all different cultures and, and that sort of thing. So I have a lot to draw from experientially, but also, uh, I'll, like th- last night, we had to drive up to Cheyenne to get something up there, and this guy was walking away, and it was dark outside, and I was like, he just had a really interesting gait. And I whipped out my phone, and I just put this little note in Evernote. <laughs> like, and 
I just described it, and I'll just so I sometimes just make little notes like that, and um, and maybe I use them, maybe I don't. Um, so it's it really is just a random process, but sometimes I get like a whole story. We were in Minnesota watching our daughter. Our daughter was a um, professional cyclist for the last six years. Oh, she wow. she retired after last summer, but a couple of years ago we were in Minnesota at one of her races, and you have to like drive really far because there's like you're, there's a race in this town, and then there's a race in that town. So we're just in the back woods, back roads of Minnesota, and yeah. we drove by this farmhouse, and like. Bam! I just had a whole story come in my head, and I was like, "Wow!" And so, I, so my poor husband, he had to be quiet for a half an hour. He's like, I, just, "I wrote it. Yeah. I, ke- I kept this little book in my. It's like a mini journal. I kept it in my purse, and I was mm-hmm. like, and I was writing. I was writing until I was all done." That's <laughs> awesome. You said on your first book, did you write on like a pen and paper? Then you didn't because you well, said the computer was. Only f- Early on. Okay. Um, and then I was like, there's no way. I'll right. never get this. It'll be 2059 by the time I'm done. So, yeah. Yeah. Then I had to transition to typing. And I had to stop being a troglodyte. <laughs> <laughs> because then you'd have to go and then retype it all back in, right? To save right. it and back right. it up, whatever it is. And now it's great because I do a lot of audio stuff. Oh, okay. I'll oh, or like, you can just dictate just re- it. Yeah. yeah. And and then you have to go back and edit <laughs> <Right>. that. <laughs> like, what? What was that? That's nothing like what I would have said. And now I don't remember what I said. So oh, there, right. are, there are pros and cons to that whole idea. Yeah. Siri is just sometimes not a good friend. Yeah, yeah you got to... <laughs> she betrays me. Dragon Dictator. Isn't there some other softwares out there that Well, but I think Dragon really is good. dead now because okay. of how that's just been developed for right. free. Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So much for the dragon. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, I'm excited that you're going to continue to write. Do you have your fourth book that you're finishing up? What, what's that called? Do you have a name for it's it It's called yet? Where There's Smoke. Okay. So it's, and in this series, it's about a fire investigator. Okay. And my main character, Lacey, the one that, with the stalker. Yeah. And um, so. So the, then are all these books then tie into each other? Not these three. Okay. They're all like the first in in their own series. And so I'm like, okay, so if I called it a series, I guess I better get on it. Right. And so um, I have a lot of the series, you know, several books. I think it's probably four or five planned out okay. for um, the Colorado Tempest. And that's okay. really focuses with the fire investigator, arson investigator, and, and um, suspense and kind of a mix of things. Yeah. So do you have the rest of your books... Like the ideas for them? I have a lot. Okay. Uh, That's what I... I'll put them in Scrivener. And then they're like saved to Dropbox. (laughs) Yeah. And iCloud, you know. (laughs) I have a friend who... um, He's actually a very famous writer. And he... His house burned down a number of years ago before... It's been a while now, but he's also older. So he wasn't as up to date with Right, backing up and saving. Right. And he, he lost... He lost a lot, and his only saving grace was that he had a thumb drive where he had a lot of his manuscripts because they had to get out, and they didn't have time to grab anything. That's crazy. So that was like, I was like, okay, I don't need to learn the hard way. Right, yeah. Do you ever find yourself, um, like, writing something, being excited, and then it getting boring, and, like, you're like, you know what, I don't know if I want to spend the energy continuing this path, Yeah. and you just throw it away? Yeah. Like, do you have a lot of, like, half ideas and... Yeah, partial it's like, stories. It's like a mannequin that's missing its head or yeah. Yeah. Missing its leg. 
Yeah. Or do you ever complete something and then be like, this is crap? And well, like, it's funny because I sort of have struggled with that with where there's smoke. I'll be like, this, this sucks. Why am I doing this? And then I, I took a break from it for a while and I went back and I'm like, okay, I need to read it again and mm. see how I feel now. Yeah. I'm like, this is really good. <laughs> We're like, wow, whoever wrote this is awesome. Is this just my hormones talking? <laughs> right. I don't know. My insecurity, who knows? Yeah. So I just figure as long as it's, when, once it's done, as long as I, f- I, I walk away from it, I mm-hmm. don't look at it, I, don't, I try not to think about it for at least a month, and then I go back and I read it again. And if I like it, then I go with it. Mm. And if I don't, I just give it a proper burial. <laughs> In flames. <laughs> How do you know when it's done? I mean, because a book could go on forever, right? I mean, do, <laughs> is there like a boundary that you say, okay, it can't be more than this many pages, so I have to figure out how to squeeze it all within that, you know, gate? I mean, how does that, that work? That is actually, from a standpoint of publishing and norms, that's, that's evolving as well. Mm-hmm. But for me, it really, honestly, endings are the hard part. Um, it's, I do much better if I know the ending right at the beginning. But, but with, with, I think, which one? It's hard to keep track. My, yeah, Changing Sky. I wasn't totally sure. And so that was harder. But, mm-hmm. um, and it was too long. And I had to cut stuff out. And so that's why you, you know, for me, I walk away. And I also have a, a couple of writing friends right. that, like, hey, give critique, it a like read this read. book. Yeah. Tell me what you think. And now I don't do the chapter by chapter thing because I don't need it. But I do the here's my manuscript. And then we kind of trade favors because it's a big ask. Right. Um, it's like, oh, I got to read it. Can you spend the next bo- two weeks of your life <laughs> reading on my book but and my making book. notes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I sometimes, you know, could bribe people with buffalo meat too, I guess. <laughs> it's like, do you want some burgers <laughs> or steaks? Come on. Give me those notes. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I lost train of thought, but yeah. So sometimes you're, you will just write, and then do you sense? Okay, I feel like if this this story's coming to an end, and you can just put a cap on it. Yeah, and then sometimes you just have to, like, go like with a couple of my books. I think endings are a weakness for me as a writer. Yeah, and they're obviously not as weak as they were because now I have, you know, three done. Right, but. Um, everybody sort of has a blind spot and for me, I think, or, or weakness. And I think that for me, that's probably what I would say. Cause I'm got characterization. I'm good at that dialogue, good at a whole lot of things. But so for me, usually what I do is it's too long. Mm-hmm. And then I go back and I'm like, oh, I don't need this. And I take it out mm-hmm. and I just, you know, I just do some surgery. Yeah. Plastic surgery, make it look better. Go. It's <laughs> like, you know, a little tummy tuck. And right. What, um, what, what are some things that you would offer as advice to, you know, a young writer or somebody who's coming up who's maybe interested in writing? And, you know, what, what are some things that you've learned over the past, you know, 12 years that you would say, hey, I recommend, like, starting here or, you know, get involved in this? Or Well, I would say, um, I would say that focus on craft and then focus on story and um, 
because you you get this great idea and you think it's so great and then you realize oh this is actually pretty crappy you know there are there are just it's like maybe you th- you have the design for a car mm-hmm. but all you've got is just the body and you don't have the motor and you're you don't know if you're front wheel drive or rear wheel drive it's kind of like that at least that's been my experience that you know so i think that if you work on your craft which means right you need to write. Mm-hmm. And you also need to read while you're writing. And don't only read what you like to read or what you're writing. You mm-hmm. know, if you're writing, like for me, I write romantic suspense. At least that's what I've written so far. I have plans to do, to do some nonfiction as well. But um, you need to have a broader range. And um, so I do a lot of audiobooks because I don't have time to sit. And, and writing is so sedentary anyway. Right. Um, I mean, like, I get a standing, I use a standing desk just so that I'm not always sitting. Right, right. And, um, and plus, I like to be active, and it's like, oh, i got to get out of the seat. <laughs> so for that, and then also there are a lot of, now there's just so many wonderful groups that you can be a part of. Um, people talk a lot about writing conferences. And um, <clears throat> I am definitely on the unpopular list with most of my writing friends when it comes to conferences because they're very expensive. And I cannot tell you how many times during my every, we met twice a month religiously for two and a half years in this writing group I was part of. Can't tell you how many times somebody said, well, at this conference, this editor said, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, that's really stupid. Like, okay. Yeah. So therefore what like it just was really like within the first two pages you need to have a b c d e f g right why just because some guy at a conference said so and it's like okay so that's what that editor looks for great well i guess i won't be pitching to that editor right because it's art and it's like if every photo if every painting was the same you wouldn't find one that you liked right yeah and so for me it's really about deciding okay what do i want my readers to experience and how can i make that happen and um, I'm super goal-oriented. And, and the other thing that you can really do in any online pursuit is you can get sucked into the 50,000 things that are not going to get you where you're going, but you can really spend a lot of time and money on it. And there are so many sharks in this business. Oh, just pay me $1,000 up front. I had a friend who has an MBA, and he paid an editor up front to edit mm. his manuscript, and, gee, she didn't ever do it. Right. Well, and he was like, well, it was at a conference by some famous author who I don't recall at the moment. Right. And he felt like that was enough, you know, capital or credibility. He had, that person had enough credibility right. because she was at a conference led by so-and-so, some really major author. And I was like, really? You did that? And now your money's gone. And she didn't ever get in the manuscript. And it was a lot of money. Yeah. So, wow. you know, you just have to, there's, there's a, a website called Predators and Editors. It's a really great resource for if you are, if you are looking at that, uh, that you know regular book deal, traditional deal. Then um, that's a great site because you can check out people. Oh, okay. And now they're you know these editors know it now, so there's a there's a little bit less of that, but yeah, still more accountability. They just change their name and they pop <laughs> up a new website. Right. And, yeah. What about some good resources as far as, you know, like, oh, this is a really great book or this is a great podcast or it's something that you, you know, have found valuable that you would share with somebody as well? The funny thing about me is that I'm terrible at trivia. So, like, I can read these great books and I'm not good at remembering 
the titles and the authors. So if anybody does want to know, they can definitely email me through my website, and I'm happy to share my books that I love. But I would say, just off the top of my head, um, How to Write a Damn Good Novel is a really good book. Nice. And then he did two, How to Write a Damn Good Novel too, And those were my favorite, favorite books. They were just totally relevant stuff, not a bunch of fluff. And I loved that, and I can't even remember the author. <laughs> um, he wrote a tiny million, something, million little pieces or something. Mm. He was a super famous author, one on the Oprah Book Club and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, um, I'm just terrible at remembering yeah. things like that. But, but I do remember the titles, and those were fabulous books. I, I still have my copies from nice. way back. Nice. Well, you know, thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey and, you know, uh, educating us uh, on buffalo <laughs> or bison. What's the correct? <laughs> it's either or. Either or. Yeah. Um, where can people follow you? Where can they, you know, find you online and communicate with you? And trfisher.com. And Fisher has a C in it. Okay. So F-I-S-C-H-E-R. And that's a good place to start. And because on my website I have my facebook page link and i've got my twitter link but don't look for me on twitter because i'm hardly ever there i'm a writer and who doesn't write online uh, <laughs> gosh but uh, there's just something about twitter that uh, yeah necessary evil <laughs> right <laughs> so those are the main two the main, okay. main way to get to me well awesome well um once again thank you for being on the show oh, and thank you for having um, me. i'll be excited to read one of these books and uh, just follow you and see, you know, how, how things continue to unfold and, and how your life continues to just be awesome. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys when we see you. And I uh, hope you enjoy the show. And we'll uh, see you next time.